Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Let's hear it for Zaro. Well, man, oh man, thank you. Thank you. I now know why that you're such in good shape. I'm just exhausted watching you. Well, the thing I love about Zaro, not only is he extremely talented, he loves Jesus, and he's going to give us a great word for us fathers. Let's hear it one more time for Zaro. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, buddy. That's the way I like to wake up every morning. <laughs> That'll get the blood flowing. Well, it's awesome to be here. Did you guys have fun in that song? I had fun playing for you. It's an honor and a privilege to be here at Grace Capital Church in beautiful New Hampshire. Wow. I think this is only the, this may be the only second time I think I've ever been in New Hampshire, and it's beautiful up here. I've always thought the New England states were the most gorgeous in the country, and uh, God was, God gave me favor today uh, by bringing this great weather uh, for the weekend, because I wanted to come here when it was beautiful, and it is, and there's all these beautiful people, and so that's awesome. I want to thank Mark for inviting me, and uh, for sharing his pulpit with me. It would take a special man of God to open up the pulpit on Father's Day to a guy named Zorro. <laughs> you got to know he's hearing from God because almost every other pastor would be like, what? No, I'm sorry. I'm not giving up the pulpit on Father's Day, especially to a guy with a name like Zorro. That already scares me. <laughs> but uh, Mark was awesome to do that. I'd also like to thank my friend Scott. Uh, Spiewak, who you guys might know, he goes to church here, and he's the one who kind of set up this thing. Well, I'll t- tell you a little bit about myself so you could understand my heart and why I'm here to speak and share with you. Uh, I am a father. I have a 17-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter, so I do know a little bit about the business of being a father. Uh, I'm married to their mother, been married for 22 years, um, so I'm a husband, so I any of you that have been married know that it's worth clapping for uh, because it is an endurance race and it requires love to stay together that long through the thick and thins of life. Uh, but anyway, so I've been married for 22 years, but I myself uh, grew up fatherless. I'll give you a little bit about my background. I was raised by a single mother and we had uh, seven brothers and sisters and we were raised completely alone by her. We didn't really have any other extended family. We didn't have any relatives. We didn't have anything. It was just a mother and her seven cubs. And it was very difficult, and I didn't have a lot of growing up. I didn't have a lot of men in my life. I didn't have a lot of mentors. I didn't have a lot of people. Uh, But God was faithful that every now and then he would send one, an appointed one, and it would always be some sort of man of God. It could be for a week or a few weeks, but he always was faithful to send people to kind of demonstrate the Father's heart, to kind of demonstrate the Father's love. And so it's not like I was without any encouragement here and there, but I did not have my own father. And of course, as a young boy, you know, every, every young boy needs a father and wants one, and that was a uh, cause for a lot of hurt and pain and lots of different things and, and rejection that I felt. But anyway, but God used all that. And throughout my life, he developed within me a very deep father's heart. Because sometimes the very thing that we lack in our life, 
which we see as a deficit and which we see sometimes even as a curse, God already knew these things would happen. And if you keep your heart right and you keep your heart soft, he can turn those things that were detriment into successes and they become your strengths. They become your, your, your points of pain become your points of strength simply because you care now. See, I walk around in this life with the Father's heart, God's heart. I ask God to put his heart into my heart, and I walk around with his Father's heart, but it means so much to me because of what I didn't have. And so as I go around the world and travel and speak and teach and preach and play, I carry that Father's heart with me because everybody needs to feel the love of the Father God. And sometimes the only love they're going to feel is through us. You know, because God's not beaming down. He's not showing himself to people physically. So he, he puts his love inside of us to be that beacon, to be that reflection. So he gives you the privilege and the opportunity to demonstrate that Father's heart to the people so they know what his heart is. Now, God has shown me his love in tremendous ways throughout my life, incredible ways and incredible favor. So... I don't want to paint a picture that, you know, I went without love. I, I have had the Father's love, and he is the best father in the world. But he also gives us, when a father leaves his children, it's not God's wish that any father deserts his family. But because God knows that people will do the wrong things, he then sets up a way for those people to still receive his love through people like you and me. Right, And so when I, when I was 10 years old, I joined a program. My mother signed me up for a program called the Big Brothers, Big Sisters program. How many of you have heard of Big Brothers, Big Sisters? Okay, well, I was one of the kids in the program. I was in there from 10 to 14. And I was sort of taken into a family. They didn't take me away from my family, but, you know, they mentor you. And I was mentored by a, a man named Bill Large, a wonderful, wonderful man man of God. He just actually recently passed away. We, we had remained friends all of these years. Uh, but he took me to my first camping trip, my first football game, my first pizza, my first Chinese food. We'd had no money. So he demonstrated God's heart in that way. So when you, lo and, you know, when you love people through programs and organizations like that, or even in your church, you're changing lives radically forever, and it, and it has a profound impact. And it isn't hard to do. Love should be something that comes very, very natural to us. So as a young man, I always wrote out my visions and dreams, and, and God made me a dreamer from the get-go. I was always dreaming about these fantastical things I wanted to do and achieve. And so God made me a dreamer, and I wrote out my visions and dreams as a drummer, as a, I wanted to be a writer, I wanted to be a preacher. All the things that I'm doing today are things that I dreamt of, and wrote out and diligently pursued and worked on. But when I, when I was, knew I was going to become a father, it was a very important thing to me. Uh, it wasn't something that I took lightly. I had always dreamt of becoming a father, and I wanted to be a great one, and I wanted to make up for the deficit of what I didn't have. I wanted to be, it made me want to be a more extraordinary father because of what I didn't have. Whereas if maybe I had one, I wouldn't care so much, but I really cared. And, and so four years before my, child, my first son was born, I was praying for my kids before they were ever born. I prayed over them every day. I said, Lord, give me children who love you, who worship you, who when they walk in a room, they light up the room with the presence of God. I didn't ask for a beautiful children. I didn't ask for talented children. I asked for children who just love you and want to make a difference in the world. And I prayed that all the time. 
And then my son was born. But I also wrote out visions and dreams that I had as a father because I realized not many fathers do that. They have, they have dreams of what they want to achieve in a career and in their business, but rarely do they ever have like family dreams or what they really want to achieve as a father. So I wrote all those things out to me because they were important. And, uh, and, so, and I read a lot. <laughs> I read a lot of books about a father and I read the Bible and I read inspirational motivational books because all those things helped me because to me I realized that I've played with a lot of famous people I've been around a lot of uh, world-renowned successful people I've been around literally some of the richest people on planet earth so I've seen and I've been amongst the poorest of the poor I was poor but I've been amongst the even poorer in the third world nations where I've done different trips to help people in different countries so I have seen the bottom of the barrel of life and I've seen the absolute top that this world could offer and and so I've and I've had many different gigs and people always say you know what's your favorite gig or you know and I always tell them my favorite gig is being a father that's been my favorite gig of all. It, it's, the most, it's the most meaningful. It's the most, it has the most depth. It has the most soul. It has the most purpose. It's also the most challenging. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, if any of you have had teenagers, sometimes it's, it's difficult because you pour all this into them and then they reach a stage where they're not as interested in you. So it can also become very hurtful, but that's just a part of the process, right? But nothing to me in my life has, has meant more than becoming, becoming a father and trying to become a good one. Uh, so I'm going to share a few principles of things that I want to share with you that God put on my heart to share with you guys now that you know like a little bit about me. And, uh, and whether you're a father or not, these principles that I'm going to share and, and teach you today, they apply to everybody because God is love. He is the source of all love. And the Bible says we are most like him when we are demonstrating love. And whether you're a mother, whether you're a daughter, whether you're a son, you can have the father's heart for people because that's his heart. His heart what does God care the most about? He cares about people. He cares about his children. Uh, how many of you have children? How many of you were once a child? <laughs> Not that many of you. So most of you were born as adults. That's interesting. That must be something in the water in the region. <laughs> so, so we all start off as a child. But, but, but the whole essence of life is to demonstrate love. And it's, it's, so, it's so simple, but the, the world complicates it all. It's just about walking in the Father's love. And the greatest representation of your faith is to love on other people. That is the greatest representation that Christ is the, the, the leader of your life is that you walk in love. If you're not walking in love, you're missing the whole boat. If you're walking in judgment and condemning people because they're not as good as you or they're doing this or that, look, we, we all go up and down in the ladder of life. And sometimes we find a more righteous place and sometimes we're in sin. But our job is to love on people. So I'm going to share with you as quickly as I can. With glasses. I hate wearing glasses. I cannot stand wearing glasses. So pray that I get supernatural vision and I never need them again because it would be awesome to not have to. Because I hate looking like this but then looking here. But anyway, this is, these are things that I've taught my children and that I've tried to demonstrate in their life. The first thing is love demonstrates. I used to tell my kids when they were little, I said, you know, love means nothing 
unless it's demonstrated. It's just a word, oh, I love you, but if it's never demonstrated, there's no substance in it. It's just a bunch of talk. So love always demonstrates. And I used to always tell my kids, never be ashamed and never be afraid to show affection uh, to our family. I, I was never afraid to show them affection and give them hugs and give them kisses. My son is 17 years old and he still hugs me all the time and gives me kisses. Uh, and he's a very, you know, he's a manly young man, but he's not afraid to demonstrate affection because I said the people who should be ashamed are the people who do not demonstrate affection. Don't be embarrassed because you're somebody who has affection and love. Be embarrassed that you're not demonstrating what God gave you. The people who, the, the fathers who never physically, uh, you know, give affection or hugs to their children or words of affirmation should be totally ashamed because that's what love is, and everybody needs that. So love demonstrates, and I would always tell them, look, you know, I'll be in the kitchen, you know, my wife's an amazing cook, and, but I'm always the, the, the cleaner, I clean everything. I said, look, love demonstrates. I said, when I'm doing all these dishes right now at 10 o'clock at night, I don't feel like doing it. I said, that, that's love. That's the work side of love, okay? That's the physical side of love. It, it, it demonstrates. It has real fruit to it. Uh, so love demonstrates. Um, and another thing, and I realize that everybody in here is not in the same place in life. There are fathers here who are no longer married uh, to their, you know, to their spouse. Uh, there are people here that are not possibly not married and have children. There's all kinds of scenarios. But one of the most important things a father can do is to love the mother of his children. Whether he's still with her or whether he's not, the children are looking at that and watching that. So out of respect and out of reverence for God, if you want to set an example for your children, put aside your differences and in front of them, always love their mother because a child is always going to love their mother. You know, a child always loves their father too. It's, it's really weird how abused kids still love the people that are abusing them, their mother and father. We have this innate thing that we, we love the people that brought us life, whether they're good or bad. But Love the mother of your children will do more for, for those children than you can possibly imagine. And I know that's sometimes hard for some people depending on where they're at in life. But it's a God thing. Number two, love teaches. A good father sees himself as his children's most important teacher and does not leave that job to others. Um, from the time my kids could, I taught my children how to read literally when they were under four years old. Like at three years old, I started buying these programs that you could teach kids how to read when they're little. So I started teaching them to read. And then I started teaching them word virtues. I thought, what do I want my children to learn? I said, they need to learn uh, the value of word virtues and what they mean. And so I, I would write, I wrote out a list of important words that I wanted my kids to know at a young age. And it would be, I would, it, I would simplify it to a kid's level. I would say, wisdom, what is wisdom? And then I would say, wisdom is making the right choice. So I broke it down to a one-sentence meaning that a kid could understand. Say, compassion. Said, compassion is to feel for others in need. You know, so I taught them empathy, compassion, persistence, every every kind of word, virtue. And I would, <clears throat> we would drive around in the car, and I would just call out a word. What is wisdom? And then he would say, uh, I would say, what a strategy. And my little three-year-old boy would say, to have a plan. You know, so I, I, I taught all these things because I realized. You're not waiting for their Sunday school teacher. You're not waiting for the one day a week in church you go. You're not, you're not leaving that job to the school teachers. You are their teacher. 
You are the teacher. The father is their teacher and the mother, but we are their teachers. So everything that they're going to learn, they're going to learn from you. And I, I decided to make so many moments teachable moments. Uh, one of the things that I did when my kids were really little is uh, I, you know, I would take them Christmas shopping when they're four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and I would say, let's let's go to this, let's go to Target, and I want you to pick out like the the most beautiful toy that you would want for Christmas and put it in the basket, and then I ta- there was a lesson in this, and then they would grab whatever they wanted, a big Lego thing or a train set or whatever, and then I said, uh, what is compassion? And they would say to fill for others in need, and then I'd say, okay, now we're gonna demonstrated. These very toys that you wanted, we're going to put it in the Toys for Tots bin at the fire department because on Christmas morning, there's going to be a bunch of kids who would have never got a present unless you gave it to them. And I said, when I was a kid, the presents that I got were from people like us now back then. I said, I got toys because somebody like what we're doing now, gave in this bin, and then those people gave it to me. And I said, look how exciting it's going to be on Christmas morning for some kid that's going to get this present. He's not going to go empty-handed because that you gave it to them. So I, made the, I, I brought it home to them, like, what would you really want? And then, of course, at Christmas, I gave them something that they wanted, too, but I taught them. And then when they handed that into the, into the uh, Toys for Tots bin, I would say, what's compassion? They'd say, to fill for others in need. I said, now you just demonstrated it. Now it's real. It's not just a word. So I would do this throughout their whole life, uh, constantly looking for, uh, instead of wasted moments when you're just driving around or something happens, uh, look, look, every moment's a teachable moment. And as long as you're older than your child, and you always will be, (laughs) you always will be older than your child, then you have something to teach. You do not have to be a teacher. I was not a teacher. I didn't study psychology. I didn't go to school to become a writer or a speaker. These are just, we, we can all teach. We all have learned lessons in life. And so you have to open yourself up and look at those moments uh, and make them teachable. Love sacrifices, okay? There's a sacrificial part of love. Um, when I was traveling around the world, uh, I would be traveling with Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, and, and uh, we would do a bunch of concerts, and so let's say maybe I had a one-off concert in, in Chicago on a, on a Saturday night, okay? And so a lot of the guys in the band would want to go there like a full-on day before or two days before to get settled, and then when the concert was over on Saturday, they'd want to go home and take the latest flight Sunday so they could sleep in or whatever. And I thought, if I add up all the concerts I'm doing in the year and I travel like that, maybe I do 70 concerts, but that's not 70 days you're gone. That's like, you know, 140. You start adding up all the time. I said, I'm going to do this different. So I would take the red eye flight from LA to New York to do a concert, uh, you know, so that, that way I would leave on a Friday put my kids to bed. They had me all of Friday. Then I arrive Saturday in the morning, and now you're ready to go to the sound check. It's hard because it's brutal on you. But I said, you know what? I'll never get that day back again. And then instead of leaving Sunday, you know, at 6 o'clock at night, I would say, put me on a flight that's 5 a.m., the earliest humanly possible flight you can take. And then I would get home, with the time difference, I would get home with you know, 11 a.m. Sunday morning. So they only missed me one day. But that was a sacrifice. That was painful uh, to travel like that. But I added up all the math, and like my kids got me for more of the year than all the other musicians who wanted to just be comfortable. 
because it's sacrifice. I knew I would never get those days back. So love sacrifices. Um, all right, the next one is love shares. Love shares. So with my children, I shared many things with them, but I shared my faith with them. I shared God with them, and I shared my journey with them. I shared my successes, and I shared my failures. I continue to today share my frustrations, share my victories. I'm real with them, uh, you know, and, and, and so that they can see that this walk with God is, 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 a, is a walk of faith. It's, it's a difficult walk. It's not it's like just everything just goes your way. You know, God may give you a vision and a dream, but it's never going to be a straight line without any obstacles or opposition. There's always going to be obstacles and opposition because we live in, in an enemy-filled territory. We live in a world where, where, where there's the enemy who doesn't want us to succeed and wants to destroy your dream and your children and your family. So there's always opposition. So love shares. You share the truth with them, but then they watch how you deal with these things and how you work through these things and how, hey, I'm vulnerable. You know, I feel like God left me for dead. That's how I feel today, but tomorrow I'll feel different. You know, but you just, you just reel with them. Um, okay, the next thing, because I have about 10 minutes. I want to finish on time because I'm a drummer and I'm all about timing and I, and I have to do that. Um, love decrees. Love decrees. The po- I can't stress enough the power of words. The power of words. There's a, there's a quote by an author who wrote The Jungle Book. His name was Rudyard Kipling. And he said, words are the most powerful drug known to mankind. Think about it. Everything, every good works that's ever been done on this planet has started from the power of words, the power of great speakers or orators that, that inspired people to do something good. Every good move of God was through the power of words. Conversely, every form of evil has also been through the power of words, through manipulators and tyrannical leaders that convince people to do something evil and heinous. Words are everything. And what does the Bible say? In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. God spoke the universe into existence. He said, let there be light. Let there be the... He could have just did it, but he said it. So there's something powerful about the words that we speak. And so I've taught that to my children from the very beginning, and now, and now they understand these things at 14 and 17. It's like I would always decree, I would always you know, say, you're going to do something great, or God has set you apart for something fantastic, and one day you're going to be a great husband, and one day you're going to be a great wife, and one day you're going you're gonna to impact this world in a mighty way. I'm, I'm speaking at words of affirmation, but I'm decreeing life to them through the power of words cost you nothing. We babble about all kinds of garbage all day long. Why don't we speak the right words? Why don't we speak positive words? Why don't we speak affirming words? So love always decrees and love, love affirms people. Um, and then also, you know, I would, I would play songs for them. Uh, bec- being a musician, you know, I'm mo- even, you know, you don't have to be a musician, but why do we like certain songs? How many of you, when you hear a certain song and you're going through a sad time, it, you just identify with it because those words that somebody penned is exactly how you feel, but because you're not a writer, you don't know how to express it. That's why we like all kinds of songs because we see ourselves in the pages of that story. We go, that's how I feel when I'm happy. That's how I feel when I'm sad. So I would play uh, lots of different songs for my children uh, that would 
it would be how I feel about them. And I would say, listen to the words of this song. I said, this is how I feel about you, or this is what you're going to do. You know, and, and I think about this like one day all of us fathers will be dead, and what will our legacy be? What song will represent how our children thought about us? Is it going to be Papa Was a Rolling Stone <laughs> or Cats in the Cradle? You know, what song is going to sum up your legacy of who you are? How are, they, how are they going to remember you as a father? They're going to remember you based on how you lived as a father, based on the choices you made, the time you poured into them, how you taught them to love, how you taught them to forgive. They're, going to, they're not going to remember who you think you are. They're going to remember who you really were. And I always, I always thought of everything in a song. I want, them, I want them to remember me in this song and think of my love when they hear this song. And that's going to come from what we did. Um, love also admits. In other words, uh, I love this quote by an old, pre- old-time preacher, Jonathan Edwards. He said, nothing sets a person so much out of the devil's reach as humility. If you remain humble, man, the devil can't can't get you because he he gets you when you're filled with pride and that's where he just can trip you up but if you're humble god can keep working with you and i like what helen keller said you know sometimes we negate the little things in life the little moments the teachable moments the things that i'm sharing with you we see the you know we negate them but she said look i long to accomplish a great and noble task but it is my chief duty to accomplish small tasks as if they were great and noble you know what I mean? Just every little small thing is a great and noble thing in God's sight. And that's the stuff at the end of your life that will add up to something. But love admi- admits. And so there are times when I'm frustrated with my kids and I'll say, look, I've never had a 17-year-old son before. I've never had a 14-year-old daughter before. This is new to me. I've never had any examples. I am doing the best that I possibly can, but I am not perfect and God's grace is with me, and so I'm sorry, I might have said this wrong, or I might have done this wrong, and I always tell them, look, from me, you're going to learn great traits, and you're going to learn not-so-great traits, but it's up to you to take the good things and copy that, and try to discard the things, the dysfunction that I learned growing up by not having a father, and by coming with seven brothers and sisters with a lot of hurt, and dysfunction, and chaos. I mean, every family is a dysfunctional basket case. I mean, we all, because we're the, the family of man, we come from sin, and we, we've all fallen short. Every family's got kooks in it. And it's us. <laughs> you know, and you just go, and then you look at other families and go, gee, why can't, and you get your kids and they go, gee, I wish I could be in that family. They're so much better. They all get along. That's because they're on their best behavior in front of you. But when, the, when no one's there, we're all, we all fall short. You know, so I, I love admits. You admit your, 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 your frailty, your failures, and, and the things that you don't do well and the things that you hope to aspire to be better. So I don't try to paint a picture and say, I don't make mistakes. When I, when I make a mistake, I go and say, forgive me. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't know how to do this or I didn't do this right or whatever, but uh, my intentions were good, but I'm an idiot, so forgive me. Uh, so that's the next thing is love forgives. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. <laughs> we're always telling people, oh, just, just forgive her, just forgive him until somebody does that same thing to you. And then you go, oh, God, this is really hard. <laughs> To forgive is like really, really hard. But 
There is no, you know, that is the one thing that's scary in the Bible that it says if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. That's, it's, it's scary. You must forgive and there's no way. And in my marriage in 22 years, there are many things that is, uh, you know, many struggles and many things that couples go through. But the, the thing that allows you to keep going is you keep forgiving the other person because we're just two imperfect people you know, trying to make it together and nobody's perfect and, and we, all have, we all have shortcomings. And so that f- ability to forgive is how you can continue to go and how you can continue to grow. And then you just get, you offer them the grace that you hope somebody offers you because we, we need grace. The problem with people is we want law for everybody else but grace for ourselves. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't work that way. Uh, all right, so... I'm bringing the plane in for a perfect landing, exactly almost the time. Um, love rewards, okay? Love rewards. Because, partially this is because I didn't have a father and I didn't have anybody giving me the things that I desired. But when I travel around the world with Lenny Kravitz, we would go all over all these different countries. And one of my thrills was to go to different toy stores in different countries and find these unique, I would be in Germany and I'd find these unique costumes that you would never see like at Toys R Us and these unique castles that are wooden and handmade and, and real bow and arrows and all the stuff, you know, and I was reliving my own childhood. And I would buy this stuff and then I'd put it in my big, huge wardrobe case, the big road cases that the roadies travel around, and I just store it up knowing that eventually those cases are going to wound up in L.A. when I play at the Forum, and then I could bring all those toys home, you know, because I'm not going to carry those on the airplane, you know, so I would collect all these toys, and then I would store them up above in my attic, and, and, I, just, and I would just look for the, when is the right moment to pull one of these things out? So I would look for my children to do something really good, or they would say, oh, I got an A in this, or I helped this kid do that and I would go oh really I said that's awesome guess what I've got a special reward for you and so I would go up and pull out the bow and arrow or the TP or the the you know the flying machine whatever it was that I bought and and but but I can reward them instantly as opposed to like oh you did something good okay so in a couple weeks when I'm free I'll think about getting something no I wanted to respond immediately and I learned that God rewards God rewards us. God blesses us. So I'm just imitating him. And so it was, it was fun for me to go up in the attic. I mean, I still, to this day, I still have things that I never gave them. But then they outgrew them by the age. <laughs> then it was like, oh, God, I missed that when I had some of it. But he's, he's 17 now. He ain't going to care about this Lego set that he used to love. You know? And so love rewards. And the last thing is that uh, the scripture says, you know, the, the, uh, the passage about love, love is this and love. Love conquers. Love conquers all. True love will conquer and endure uh, all the hardship of life, all the ups and downs of a family, all the uh, the rocky roads in the past, the people who've who've let you down and disappointed you. Love conquers, and you can't let any of that stuff stick to you. You can't let any of that stuff stay on you. You've got to dis to find your future in God. You've got to disconnect yourself from your past. And sometimes people, I always equate it to like this, like. You know, you gotta you gotta have one one foot in the one foot in the present and one foot headed towards the future. Because if you have two feet in the past, which most people live that way, you're a dinosaur. What already happened happened. It's over, it's done. You'll never be able to undo it. So 
learn from it, but let the hurts and the hardships, let, let it go and, and then have one foot in the present because you're only living now. Tomorrow's promised to nobody, but you've got to have one foot in the present, but with one foot hopefully toward the future of what God spoke to you or what you're dreaming of or what you're trying to accomplish. Because if you have two feet in the future and you're not in the present, you're in outer space. You're an astronaut. <laughs> you're not present amongst us. You've got to have one foot in the present with one foot headed toward the future. Because you live here now, but you're still dreaming and trying to pursue being a better father and a, and a better mother and a better teacher and better at your work. I mean, we're here to improve. We're here to be a better version of if, if Christ is really with us and he's the Lord of our life, then over time we should, we should have made improvements. We should be reflective of, I used to be like this, but I'm less like that now. And I've grown more in this area and I'm more patient in this area because love conquers. And so my Father's Day message comes from my heart because I love being a father. And it is challenging, but I mean, I can't imagine how empty life would be. I think the reason why God made marriage is because it's, it's an institution where you learn to die to yourself. To do it right, you must die to yourself because somebody's holding up a mirror and saying, this is what you're really like. Because when you're single, you never know that. <laughs> you just think you're really great. And, and, and nobody ever challenges all your dysfunctions and your things because there's never any friction. Friction is what brings out the purified gold, the friction of two people. But then when Christ is in the center of that, it, he, he, he manages to make you a better person because you learn to serve. You know? And I'll end with this. There's only two ways to live your life, only two ways on this whole planet. You either live a life of self or a life of service. If you live a life of self like most people, you will self-destruct, you will self-implode, life will be completely unfulfilling because we were not created to serve ourselves. We were created to serve other people and to serve God and that's where your fulfillment and your joy comes from. That's it. And if you serve, then that purpose comes to life, then it becomes easier to then make sacrifices and die to yourself for your children, for your wife, for your church, for your fellow brother and sister, because that is the model of Christ. So it's very simple. So I hope that I shared something. I'm going to close out with a quick prayer, and I hope that I shared something that resonates with you. I'm a father, but I have a father, and many of you are fathers, but we should all carry with us the Father's heart, because for all of us who, who call Christ our Savior, we should walk around with demonstrate love like I just taught it to you, but in everything we do, whether we're a father or not, because we're responsible to demonstrate that love in, in the sphere of influence and the platform that God has given us. He's given each one of us an ability to influence a certain amount of people. It's about the faithfulness. Do you do that? It's the faithfulness to your call. Some are called to, to reach 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, a million people. It's not the numbers. It's the faithfulness. All right, so let me close out in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for bringing me here. I thank you that you ordained my steps to come here long before I was ever born, that you knew that I would come here today, and you knew the life that I would live and the things that I would share. So I pray that you would uh, activate the hearts of the people in this church, that, that somehow through the Holy Spirit speaking through me, something resonates that causes uh, a direct change in their life, almost like in that uh, uh, that movie, Back to the Future, the flux capacitor. You know, Lord, the flux capacitor is their heart. Lord, I pray that it it changes today, and that they that it opens up like uh, the valve uh, of the Holy Spirit of love in a deeper way, in a more profound way, in a more practical way, and in, in a way of hunger.
hunger, that they would hunger after these simple truths. So I, I released that, um, that anointing in this room today into the heart of each person here, that whether they're 10 years old or whether they're 90 years old, Lord, that it's the same thing. It's the practical love of God demonstrated that changes the world, and it's not as complicated as people make it. So I pray that they would take that message and run with it, and that it would cause, and I speak and decree, blessings over their life. Whatever each person is struggling with, I bind and rebuke the enemy who seeks to destroy them. I release the angels of God, the Holy Spirit over them to give them hope, to give them vision, to give them prosperity, to give them persistence, perseverance. Whatever they need, Lord, I release it in the mighty name of Jesus, and I thank you for this time. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Sorrow. So um, I just wanted to share a few things besides, uh, I don't know about you, I'm a dad, and I, and I thought that I was a good dad until you spoke. <laughs> and then I realized, okay. boy, I have a long ways to go. No, okay. but, but I think it's just taking every day, choosing to wake up and say less of me, yeah. more of you, God. And I think the thing that really challenged me is understanding, one is this congregation, I tend to be a a selfish guy. I try not to be. I try to die to myself, but it just my selfishness keeps rising up. And I think if we just keep looking at Jesus, keep looking at the Lord, our Father, but realize that we've got to die to self and keep serving our families, serve our wives, serve our kids. And um, you also wrote a book, um, and it's not it's not in the bookstores yet, but it's it's called Soar: Nine Proven Keys for Unlocking Your Limitless Potential. Um, you do want to just take 30 seconds and give us a high-level kind of view of what this book's about? Okay, so this is a book called Soar, Nine Proven Keys for Unlocking Your Limits Potential. Potential. This is a vision God has given me over many uh, years of my life. Everything that I'm doing is a vision that he gave me. My greatest joy on this planet is to help other people fulfill the will of God in their life. That's what I live to do. The drums, the speaking, the teaching, the preaching are just a platform of which to reach people. But my greatest joy is how can I make someone's life better through my life. And so what this book is, is it's a vision that God gave me to teach people how to discover what God gave them, the unique thing that we have that makes us different, how to discover it, how to develop it, which is we're accountable for, and then how to deploy it. Because God, in every person that's in this room, God has put some special anointing and some ability that he's only put in you in a unique way that only you can do. And the whole purpose of your life is to discover that so that you can impact this world and make a difference. And so in here are uh, nine vital life principles and multitudes of inspirational stories that doesn't matter whether you're 80 or 8, uh, I can tell you this from the Holy Spirit, this book will inspire you. It doesn't matter who you are. And I'm not trying to sell it because I don't really, I don't care about that. But I know that there's no way for you to be impacted without the words. And so I, pour, you know, the, I prayed through the Holy Spirit for four or five years I was, as I was writing this. Wake up three in the morning, five in the morning. Lord, what do you want me to share with the people? I have multitudes of stories, but what are the ones you want? So this is the, this is the manifestation of a vision that God gave me and many prophetic things he's given me over the years that said you are going to release things to people that are going to release them into the destiny that I have for them. So that's what it's about. It's to help you. Thank you. So the other thing, uh, Zorro, is um, you came here not asking for anything. No. And I want, I want you to understand that. But as a church that wants to live out 
God's favor in our lives, one of those things is generosity, right? We talked about that last week. And so today we want to be generous with Zora and we want to take a love offering. As you guys head out of this doors, these doors today, we have ushers in the back that um, will receive the gift that you give. And, uh, and again, um, I would encourage you to, this is not to sell anything, but I believe when people, God's given people gifts, they're to be shared, and I believe God's given Zorro a gift. He's been a gift for us this morning, but he's also had a gift in this book. So uh, if that's connected to you, um, the books are 10 bucks, and we have a table out there that you can do that. Um, so thank you so much, Zorro, again. One, one more clap offering for that. And then we have... Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, worship awesome team, worship team, you want to come up? Um, thank you so much, Zorro. Thank you so much. We're just going to end in worship and uh, also want to let you know that we, we would love to minister to you. If you need prayer um, as well, um, we want to have an opportunity to pray for you. So the prayer team will be here. So we're just going to close in a, in a song and, uh, and then you guys are dismissed. Love you guys. Happy Father's Day. Uh, this is considered your dismissal. The worship team will, will uh, release you as well. But love you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 